do what you love and it won't feel like work. I love to facilitate. I love to be in front of people. I love to write training materials. I love to research. That's all fun to me. So when you do something you love, and you're going to be doing it a lot, and for a while it might be just you or a couple of people, because if you hate it, it's going to come across and your product is going to be boring and people won't buy it. So I love it. I love to do this. I tell my students, my, my participants that I love what I'm doing, and it shows. Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world-class management team. And now your host, Eric Gerard. Hello and welcome. I am so glad you are here. In this special episode of Management Development Unlocked, I'm going to talk about what it's like to start and run your own consulting business. Here's the background. I have been in learning and development my entire career, which goes back to 1992, so 31 years now. I'm one of those rare people that is doing what he studied in college. So I have two degrees in learning and development. I have a bachelor's in organizational communication with emphasis in training and development from California State University, Sacramento in California. And then I have a master's in intercultural training and development from Arizona State University. And then from there, I almost immediately went into corporate learning and development after a a quick sojourn to Australia and some time teaching English in Japan. I settled into corporate learning and development. So I've been doing L&D for 30, 31 years. And then when I got to Silicon Valley in 99, I started to focus in on management development. So this really is my sweet spot. This really is something that I love. So I lived in the Bay Area most of my life and in Silicon Valley for the last 20 years. And my wife and I decided that the Silicon Valley was too expensive, too crowded, too crazy, and we were going to get out of Dodge and move up to the Seattle area. So we did that in 2020 during the pandemic, loaded up uh, a moving truck, and off we went. And once we moved into our temporary lodgings, our, our apartment in Silverdale, I started looking for a job, but my heart just wasn't in a job search, just wasn't in another job search. I just, ugh. Just, you know, you feel the deflation, just the, oh, I can't believe I have to do this. When I was going through all the motions and I had I had hired people to help me with my resume and my LinkedIn profile and I had tried all these things to, to get a job and it just, I just, I couldn't do it. So I thought, wait a minute, I've been doing this a long time. I know what I'm talking about. I have a point of view that's valuable. I will hang out my own shingle. So I did. I formed an LLC and waited for the business to come in because I had an LLC. Ta-da, here I am. And of course, it didn't happen that way. But I got lucky. And I got an anchor client almost right away. And then I got another significant client right away. And that kept me going for 18 months. But then my client at the anchor client retired. And I did not have a plan. I was on my back foot because I had not been selling while I was busy. So I learned a ton over the last year properly building this business. And so I thought I would take this episode to share with you some things that you need to think about if you're thinking about going out on your own. So if you're in management development or in learning and development, or more broadly, if you're a consultant and you want to hang out your own shingle, let me share with you some of the things I've learned. My favorite phrase is, wisdom is a matter of surviving your mistakes. Therefore, I am very wise. So take these as my personal learnings, my personal wisdom, and I hope it helps. So these are in no particular order. I just got excited a few minutes ago and thought I was going to write down these ideas. And so before I lost my energy about this, I thought I would just go through it and record an episode. So here we go. 
the first thing you need to think of when you're going to hang out your own shingle is that you cannot do everything yourself. So I thought when I started Gerard Training Solutions, I will start the LLC, I will start the website, I will do my own bookkeeping using QuickBooks, I will do all the things. Plus, I will create the product and I will be the product. I'll do it all. It's no problem. It's no big deal. Wrong. So I very quickly ran into a problem where I couldn't make the website do what I wanted it to do. Even though I got a very simple web hosting platform, I still couldn't make it do what I needed to do. So the first thing I did was hire a webmaster. Then I was using QuickBooks Self-Employed, which is super simple, and thought that everything was going great. And then I turned my taxes over to my accountant, and my accountant wound up billing me $1,000 to clean up the file and clean up all the mistakes I had made because I just didn't know. I don't do bookkeeping. I am a facilitator. I don't do math. So that cost me a lot. So what I would say to you is surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. Yes, you're a genius in your, your chosen field, but surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. For example, get a webmaster and let them drive the decision about which web hosting platform you want to use. I used Weebly because it was cheap and easy. Turns out it's completely wrong. It's no good for SEO. And so one of these days I've got to have it rebuilt on WordPress. Get a good bookkeeper from the get-go. My bookkeeper only costs 200 bucks a month. Best investment I make all year is just to make sure that all the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed. Every month I get proper financials. I can ask questions. I can drill down. I know the state of my business and I'm, I'm confident that it's accurate because a professional has gone through those, those numbers. Get a good accountant. My accountant actually offers fractional CFO services. So we sat down at the end of last year and she projected out what my business is going to look like over the next 12 months based, based on information I gave her. It's a bunch of, it's a bunch of if then thinking. So if you get this many clients, if this happens, if you cut this expense, then this is what things look like for you at the end of the year. But it was so illuminating to have that and totally worth the money I spent to have that, that idea of what my business might look like. So very, very important there. A social media manager. I, I use LinkedIn exclusively. I don't use Facebook. I don't use Instagram. I don't use anything else. But you still need to be savvy about how to use that platform to get your, your message out there in the most effective way. So I have a social media manager who does research and writing to get me plenty of views and to provide value-added content week after week so that I am positioned as an authority in my field. A graphic designer. In my case, because I teach, I facilitate programs, I want everything I create and present to clients to be absolutely first class. And so I used my network, one of my old friends from a job I had 10 years ago, semi-retired, and I was able to go to Sandra and say, hey, would you be my graphic designer? And build my PowerPoint slides and all of my collateral, my one-pagers, everything. She does a fantastic job and makes me look like a million bucks, like a much bigger company than I really am. And I'm super, super proud. So I can't say enough about having a good graphic designer on your side. And Sandra, by the way, is also an instructional designer. So that helps when I want to bounce ideas off. She's got a learning background as well. So those are just some of the experts you want to surround yourself with, along with taking on a mentor or two or three. Through my journey, I've had several mentors. I currently use two for different things. One kind of consulting general, like how to run a consulting business, how to grow a consulting business. Deb Zahn is fantastic. She runs The Craft of Consulting. It's a membership. It's a podcast. It's a website. Fantastic resource there. 
Huge shout out to Deb. She has helped me so much. And then Bob Gentle of Amplify Me is helping me with my my brand and my my presence. So those are a couple of folks that I'm using right now who I'm very, very happy with. So surround yourself with mentors, people who will speak into your life and help you make good decisions. Speaking of good decisions, don't be impulsive like me. I am very impulsive. If you're familiar with DISC, I am a very high I. I'm very influential. I love people. I, I love to be out in front of things. But a trait of people who are high eyes is that they are impulsive. And so I'll, I'll make decisions like that very, very quickly. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Like, for example, QuickBooks self-employed versus having a bookkeeper take care of it. Or annoying things like I decided I needed a PDF solution to do e-signatures. And I went and bought the Adobe suite to do that. Really expensive when really all I needed was e-signature capability. And when I sat back and thought about it, I thought, wait a minute, I'm spending hundreds of dollars a year on this. I don't need that. So I went to cancel and guess what? They ding you for being impulsive. They charge a fee if you, if you leave before the contract is up. So that was irritating. I have signed on with folks who promised the moon. It sounded great. I spent thousands of dollars and got no results because it sounded good. It sounded, it was too good to be true. And it was. So don't be impulsive. Slow down. Related to that is if you have a significant other, involve them from the beginning in your business. So I involve my wife, Erin, in my big decisions now. I make sure that she knows what's going on. She can look at my financials anytime, anytime she wants. She is, you know, whereas I'm a high I, she's a high S. She goes much slower than I do. She, she makes decisions much more carefully. That's why she's in charge of the household finances. It's great to have somebody in your life to balance you and to say, hey, wait a minute, slow down. Can you do this better, faster, cheaper? Do you need to maybe think this through a little bit more before you pull the trigger? Be frugal at the start. What can you do for free or very, very cheap? I spent a lot of money up front thinking that I needed to look like a big business and I probably could have done with less expensive solutions. So an example here is for surveys, I decided I needed SurveyMonkey and I needed SurveyMonkey with all the bells and whistles. That's hundreds of dollars. I probably could have gotten away with Google Forms to get started. So just things like that, like be frugal, don't spend all your money. You know, I got a nice standing desk. I've got some beautiful furniture in my office. I didn't need it. I wanted it. And I certainly am very, very comfortable in my office. But uh, if I had it to do over again, I probably would have gone with something less expensive to start and then work my way up to that. Related to finances, run cash only. There's a guy, very famous financial counselor named Dave Ramsey. He has a book on entre leadership. And one of his things is he doesn't use a credit card. He uses a debit card for everything. And so he talks about starting his business years ago, working on a card table in his living room. You know, he had nothing. He sat in a folding chair and used a card table and worked his way up to now he's a multi-multi-million dollar business. But run cash only. I made a mistake here. I decided I needed to grow really fast. And so I started tapping into my business credit card and the silly people gave me a high credit limit. And so I used it and grew and got lots of lots of marketing and things out there, but then realized that I didn't have the business to pay the card. So that was a little bit scary. Everything's fine. No big deal. But just, you know, for a minute or two, I was like, oh gosh, wait a minute. I've got this huge balance now that I have to worry about. So don't get into that trap. Stay away from credit cards. Stay away from debt. You will have to invest when you start your own business. You will have to invest some of your own money. You need capital. 
So don't let anybody tell you any different. From my experience, you do need to invest maybe significantly in marketing and sales and some of the backend stuff to get going so that you can get the good word out there about your business. So be ready to invest, but don't do it on credit cards. Don't do it from a debt, a debt position because that'll, that, that will hurt a lot. Do what you love and it won't feel like work. I love to facilitate. I love to be in front of people. I love to write training materials. I love to research. That's all fun to me. So when you do something you love, and you're going to be doing it a lot, you're going to be, for a while, it might be just you or a couple of people, you better love it. Because if you hate it, it's going to come across and your, your product is going to be boring and people won't buy it. So I love it. I love to do this. I tell my students, my, my participants that I love what I'm doing and it shows and people reward me with great evaluation scores. So make sure you're doing what you love and be in it for the long haul because if you don't love it, it's going to be a drag and it's going to show and then you're, you're going to wind up in, in kind of a vicious cycle. Make an I hate this list and delegate the, those things when you can afford to. So you know, as you go along, you're going to find things that you really don't like to do. So for me, for example, it's marketing. LinkedIn marketing drives me crazy. I hate it. I recently discovered a new way to do it that makes it more fun, that helps me actually create connections with people rather than marketing to people. But I still don't enjoy it very much. And so probably this spring, uh, I'm going to bring on a virtual assistant and ask them to take care of the first couple of steps in that marketing cycle. And then I'll pick it up from there and nurture the relationships. Speaking of virtual assistants, look into them. So again, don't do this until you've got the cash, but look into a virtual assistant. Virtual assistants are what they sound like. It's somebody who will help you with certain aspects of your business and they do it worldwide. So if you're on the West Coast of the US like I am and you want somebody in your time zone, you can find that. If you want to work with somebody a little bit cheaper, I was working with somebody from the Philippines who charged 12 bucks an hour and did tons and tons of work specifically on LinkedIn. You just want to make sure that you're not being exploitative. So before I hired this person, I made sure that $12 an hour was a decent wage. And it turns out that from my research, that was okay. Right? I wouldn't pay somebody in Seattle 12 bucks an hour. I don't think that's fair. But do your, do your research, look around. There are lots of organizations that specialize in placing virtual assistants I'm about to have an interview with somebody who runs a VA service, and we'll see if maybe we do something together later. But you don't have to do everything. You don't have to do the stuff you hate. Just make sure that you've got clear operating procedures. Just make sure you've got clear SOPs so that everybody knows who's doing what, how much, and by when, so that there's no question. And stay involved. Don't just delegate it and forget it because then, you, you know, you're not going to get a good result. I have three people who work for me, Sandra, Diana, and Bill. I've known Sandra and Bill for years and years. Diana is relatively new to me, but I really appreciate her. And I made sure at the end of last year, before the holidays, before things got crazy, I spent half an hour with each of them. And this is going to sound really, really mushy. So I apologize. It's going to sound really mushy. But I loved on them each for a half hour and just told them how much I appreciated them, how much their contributions meant to me how much stronger they made my business. I really, really appreciated them in person, to their face, not via an email. If I could read my own handwriting, I would have handwritten them a card. But <laughs> as it turns out, the older I get, the less I can read my own handwriting. So I just, I had a Zoom call with them and just told them face to face how much they meant to me and how much they mean to my business. And whenever I can, I 
praise the work that they do and tell them I catch them doing things right all the time. Very rarely do I need to correct them because they're professionals. They're extremely accomplished professionals, all of them. But it's so much, it's so nice to be able to just say, Hey, thank you so much. This is excellent. I love how you did X. And it just, it creates a positive culture and a positive tone. And people will bend over backwards for you if they know you've got their back and they know that you're watching when they're doing good work for you. So keep the positive reinforcement coming. And at the same time, ask for feedback. I'm constantly asking folks, hey, is there anything I can do differently? Anything I can do better? I set that tone early on in our relationship. I did it at that end of the year chat that I just told you about. But I create that environment of, you can tell me if something's not going well. I want to hear it because I want to get better. I'm constantly improving. I try to send that message to folks that I want to hear if something's not right. And I offer feedback as well because I want us all to be excellent. But I always keep the ratio of feedback, corrective feedback to positive feedback, like five to one, at least five positive things for every corrective thing. And actually with this crew, it's probably more like 10 to one. Volunteer, get out there in front of folks, in front of appropriate professional associations. So for example, I'm a trainer, I'm a facilitator. The natural place for me to be is with the Association for Talent Development, ETD. I'm a member of the national chapter and I'm on the board of directors of my local Puget Sound chapter. So that's a great place to give back to like-minded people and also get your get your face and, and name out there and get the good word out there. People get to know you. They start to trust you. It's all part of that know, like, and trust cycle. So I highly recommend volunteering, getting involved in conferences, being out there. Bob Gentle, the guy I mentioned previously, said that he would show up at the opening of a paper bag. So he, he's just out there everywhere. I'm a little more choosy, but I still I want to be in front of my peeps, my learning peeps, and make friends with people, create genuine relationships with people where I can help, where I can be of service. Next, I would encourage you to play the long game. I don't know what your, your space is like, but I know in the learning and development space, some of this stuff costs a lot, especially if people want a lot of programs or many programs, or they want to do it a long period of time. And you, here's an example from first outreach to one of my colleagues to closing a deal and going to work took two years. That's a relationship that's worth a significant amount of money, but I I like to joke that we courted each other for two years. Other deals take several months, some take up to a year. So play the long game. Don't get in a rush to close a deal. Keep things moving and checking in and let people know you're interested because you never know. If you're professional, positive, and polite, somebody might say, you know what, I don't have something for you right now, but I know somebody who could use you, and you get that referral. So play the long game. Be patient and it will pay off. I told you these things were in no particular order, so we're going to come back to my office. So love your space. We got really lucky when we moved to the Seattle area. We bought it just the right time and we got a house where we could convert two rooms into small offices. So I have an office down in the basement off my workshop and garage. My wife, we converted the laundry room into her office and moved the washer dryer downstairs to another bathroom where there was room. So we each have our own space and we each have very cozy spaces. I love it in here. I love my furniture. I love the lighting. I love the windows that I can look out and see the kids galloping around in the, in the lawn. So even if you've decided that you're going to be super frugal and work on a card table and a folding chair, which is totally fine, 
love your space. Set it up so that you're comfortable and you're happy and you've got a window to look out of because you're going to be there a lot. So do your best to create space that you love. And then the last point here, I think I've already mentioned this, take on a mentor or two or three. Again, just make sure that that you've got people speaking to you who have been there, done that, and know their stuff. So those are just a few thoughts. I hope this was helpful. If you want to talk more about building your own business or lessons that I've learned, I've always open to do that. You can reach out to me at eric at gerardtrainingsolutions.com. And you can always hit the website. The website is gerardtrainingsolutions.com. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you at the next one. Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at gerardtrainingsolutions.com.